Welcome to the Optimal Body Podcast. I'm Doc Jen. And I'm Dr. Dom. And we are doctors of physical therapy, bringing you the body tips and physical therapy pearls of wisdom to help you begin to understand your body, relieve your pains and restrictions, and answer your questions. Along with expert guests, our goal of the Optimal Body Podcast is really to help you discover what optimal means within your own body. Let's dive in. Okay, before we start to talk about chronic ankle sprains, because this is really common, especially if you've played a sport, you've rolled your ankle before, you might notice some instability moving forward, or maybe you roll it even more. Well, getting yourself into shoes that are actually going to help to build your foot strength is so, so important. We talk about this through the episode, and you've heard us talk about it before. Wearing Vivo Barefoot shoes increases your foot strength by 60% if you wear it consistently for six months. Now, again, this is something you've got to build into your foot. You can always try out different pairs. They have a 100-day trial, but get yourself into some Vivo Barefoot shoes. I know it's an investment, but remember, it's an investment into your health, and you can get 15% off any of your pairs of shoes that you want. We've had a code change, so make sure you use code TOB so that you get 15% off. That is TOB, like the Optimal Body Podcast. All right, diving in on those ankle sprains, but more so we're going to talk a little bit more about chronic ankle sprains and how they develop, what signs and symptoms you can start to like kind of look for to know if like if you rolled an ankle, how do I make sure that it doesn't turn into either chronic pain or chronic rolling? Uh, Because I feel like the thing that we deal with the most with people is say you're in the PT office and they come in and they're like, yep, I rolled my ankle. And okay, well, has this happened before? <laughs> yeah, I always do this, right? Yeah. Always roll my ankle. You feel like you run into those people who are just the chronic ankle rollers, or they have this chronic instability of the ankle, and that's something that we're really finding develops from people who have this specific type of ankle roll. So let's talk about the different types of ankle sprains that you can that can happen. And one of the most common ones, up to 73% most common, is your lateral ankle sprain. Mm-hmm. So that's happening to that anterior talofibular ligament right there on the outside of that ankle. So think of like that model walking down the runway and that heel just kind of comes out and that ankle rolls. That's like the most common one we see, right? And that yeah. really cringy one that no one wants to see. Yeah, like when you're watching the basketball replay and the guy's ankle touches the ground on the outside and it's one that can look kind of gruesome on replays but is the most common then we also have the medial ankle sprain uh, which on the inside or the medial side of the foot is where we have the deltoid ligament it's this big really thick. strong thick ligament on the inside of the ankle also our medial malleolus sometimes is a little bit longer and will sometimes have like a bony block on that side. So the medial side of the ankle is just like kind of seen as a lot more stable, which is another reason we see a lot more of these lateral ankle sprains. Yeah, a lot harder to do it on that side. Yes. A lot less common. And one that can kind of come along with a medial ankle sprain, but is slightly different is called a high ankle sprain, where we actually have um, kind of disruption or injury to what's called the syndosmosis or the ligament or plane between our tibia and fibula, which are the two bones of the leg. So there's like this big, thick plane that goes between those. And sometimes we roll our ankle so that actually the tibia and fibula move away from each other or separate a little bit. And then we get what's called this syndosmosis or high ankle injury, which is actually probably the most severe of them as just an acute injury itself. And they're all graded one through three. 
So yep. based on the severity of the sprain and the, mm-hmm. the tension or the stretching to those ligaments or if they do get torn, you know, that would obviously be grade three. Yeah, just to go, I mean, grade one is like not necessarily any tearing, but they were just stretched beyond what they're used to. Grade two, there's some tearing of the fibers. Grade three is like complete tearing of whatever ligament it is that we strained. Yeah, and what we see is that acute sprains are, you know, amongst the most common type of injury to the body. And there's 70% develop residual symptoms. I think that's kind of a crazy stat to think about. Totally. And residual symptoms, meaning anything like soreness on the outside of the ankle, just a feeling of soreness up on the outside of the leg, instability, a little tingling. And some of those residual symptoms can include this chronic ankle instability. Um, I think in what you're referring to, yeah, I saw that up to like 20 to 40% of people who have a first time acute ankle injury can develop into this chronic ankle instability. So how does that happen? Why does that happen with people who just have this acute injury? Yeah. Two times more likely that these kind of sprains are going to happen in female athletes. Female and high school versus college said like college you'll see a lot fewer people develop yeah. into these. Is it developing into chronic? That's developing into chronic. But in general, yes. just getting like acute ankle sprains, it's like athletes obviously make a high percentage, women a little bit more than men. And then, but but I think the statistic that was interesting too is that 50% are still like of acute ankle sprains show up in the ER that are not athletic based. So think about the people just you know, hiking or stepping off a curve and roll their ankle, you know, it's not even due to sports or athletics. And that's 50% of the population. Yeah. And we're going to kind of talk about, you know, the risk factors of developing chronic ankle instability. Yeah. And I mean, spoiler alert, one of the biggest risk factors is having rolled your ankle once, like having any acute ankle roll is the largest risk factor of rolling again. So, in some of the things I read, like one of the biggest issues is doing preventative care, doing, you know, proactive care to maybe prevent ankles from rolling in the first place is the best way to prevent long-term developing any sort of chronic instability in the ankles. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just, (laughs) there's not much you could do there, right? If the biggest predictor is just that. Having done it once. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, crap. Now I might be more prone to doing it again or Mm -hmm. having this chronic instability happen. But like you said, people who show up into the ER, that they make up 50% of, because it happens more commonly in athletes, but there's just a lot less athletes. So the general population makes up 50% of the other injuries. But Often, what do you think they get in the ER? Like, oh, yeah, rest it, you know, stay off of it, take some anti-inflammatories or something to get the pain and soreness to come down. And then they might do nothing nothing beyond that, you know, especially like grade one. Totally. Pain will come down. They'll be like, okay, it's a little sore to walk on it. But still, like you had mentioned, 70% of these people develop residual things that might hang hang around with them. So how can we better prepare these people? who just have a one-time ankle roll to do the things to help them prevent from or reduce their risk of developing chronic instability down the road. We go from this acute stage, which if we remember acute, meaning it's happened in that moment on the first time, right? And then chronic, meaning that it's now just residual symptoms are happening Mm -hmm. and they're lasting longer than six months, right? And so how does it go from this acute stage to chronic stage is really 
one, we've done it again. <laughs> yep. Or we're reducing and, and because, you know, that repetitive strain over and over again on that ankle, I mean, we're just, we're putting more repetitive strain into those tissues <laughs> and then we kind of decrease the, the patterning that's happening and the coordination around that ankle in general. And so that usually leads to that chronic instability. Definitely with repeated trauma to whatever tendon it is, or like you mentioned, the ATFL, the anterior talofibular ligament which is the most common one we injure with that lateral rolling. Some people who chronically roll, like you'll hardly even find an ATL that's left there because it's been damaged to that point. Again, that's not to say we can't develop good stability around that ankle again, but the more times we injure that, the less integrity that tendon or that ligament's going to have. But more importantly, I think the less understanding it's going to have of like its normal patterning. Yeah, or the, the brain responding to that ankle is just going to now be different. The fibular muscles or the peroneals, we'll call them. They're these muscles on the outside. the outside of that lower leg that might be sore after our first ankle roll. You might feel it all the way up into the outside of your leg, almost to your knee. Those muscles continue to forget more and more how to operate correctly the more we roll. So again, like Jen said, that second time we do it, we could already be developing those chronic ankle instability patterns Yeah. if we aren't right on top of it to start trying to, okay, how do we inject more stability into this ankle? Even if some of the ligaments and tendons have some loss of their integrity. Totally. Because when we look at some of the symptoms that we kind of want to look out for before they turn into like chronic is like a loss of postural stability. So even just standing on one leg, balance, mm -hmm. support, uh, your muscle reaction time. So how quickly that your muscles respond when you're yeah. doing like landing or jumping or running or hopping. Um, and then the, just the strength in general. Like, yeah. could you even heel raise as many times as you can on the other side? You know, so like even just that strength aspect starts to starts to go down. And these are some of the symptoms that we want to start to look for when we're talking into gradually going into that that chronic stage of instability in that ankle. And some of the tests that you'll see people use for this, like you mentioned postural stability. So a good way to test for that, like you said, just standing on one foot, yeah. sometimes after an ankle roll and people are still noticing these residual symptoms, you can, you can tell like, hey, I don't have pain, but even when I stand on my ankle that I rolled versus my foot that I didn't, it's harder. Like you have less of that postural sense of where you're at. Yeah. People will use the uh, star excursion, which is this test where you stand on one leg and then you reach in all directions out to the side at every diagonal with one leg and you kind of measure how far you can reach in each direction mm -hmm. and then do it on the other side and see how different they are. So again, if you have much worse on the side that you had rolled your ankle on, that might put you at a predisposition of like, oh, they might develop chronic instability. Yeah. I like the test that uh, you mentioned about the inability to jump and and land. Yeah. Because and when you think about that, so if we're two weeks post, I think it was two weeks yeah, post, two weeks like post. having rolled your ankle or your first acute episode of... Probably grade one then. Ankle strain. Um, I guess... I guess I didn't specifically look into it. I guess the, the answer is always, it depends. Yeah. <laughs> if you're two weeks post your ankle roll and it's still really sore or you had a grade three yeah. you know, strain, you're probably not going to be jumping two weeks after. But again, if two weeks post strain, so maybe it was regardless, because yeah. if you're still having symptoms two weeks post strain, basically it was saying if you're having difficulties jumping and landing and stabilizing on that ankle, that is you know, a, a risk factor that would show that a you might, yeah. a predictor that you might develop 
chronic instability because of that initial episode. So again, lots of people still having issues two weeks after rolling their ankle. Yeah. So when we go through the numbers, like I don't want to do this to scare anyone, right? This isn't a podcast about instilling fear based on numbers. We just, we do look at the studies. We see what, what the facts are. And then we obviously are going to go into treatments and things that you can do to really mm-hmm. start to help, even if you're at the chronic instability rate, because you know, you're not alone. And I think that's what the numbers are good for as well. Like knowing that in college and high school athletics, 30 per- 32% of females have or report chronic instability. So maybe that's re-injuring it and rolling it again, or just having that that feeling of instability out when they're playing their sport. And then 17% of males. I mean, these, these are pretty high numbers, especially when we look at like college is like 19%. High school in general was about 31% reporting yeah. chronic instability. So you're definitely not alone if you feel like, you know, I, I keep rolling my ankle or I keep having these re-injuries or I keep having this instability like that. All, what these numbers are good for is reporting that you're not alone, but it's still possible to, you know, go down the route of, of good treatment. And we've kind of brought this up before when we've talked about stability at certain joints, but there's different types of instability when we talk about mechanical instability versus functional instability. We talked about this a little bit at the knee when we talked ACLs and stuff. Same way here at the ankle. We can have mechanical instability. Once we start rolling this ankle or we've done it multiple times, that ATFL again, like mechanically, it's going to have a lot more laxity in it. Right. We might even in our subtalar joint, which is, you know, below the talus, in between the calcaneus and the talus. There's so many little Explain those a little bit. So the talus (laughs) is this bone that sits in between our two ankle bones, the knobby things on the sides of your ankles that are our malleoli, our lateral and medial malleolus. Just the knobs on the side of the ankle. Knobs on the side of the ankle. (laughs) The talus kind of sits up in there and those are the two bones, bones that make up like that true ankle joint. Below the talus is where we sit on our calcaneus, our heel. That's our heel. Right? Our heel bone. How am I doing? You're doing, you're doing better. <laughs> I can't imagine just listening to this yeah, and trying exactly. to figure out what That's the why I'm like, the two knobbies, <laughs> the thing on the top of the foot, and then the little, heel. Yeah. So, all this saying, the more we roll our ankle, we might just create more mechanical space in between all these bones. It's kind of what I was going to try to say between the malleoli, the knobbies, and the talus. There might be more space. That's another form of mechanical instability right. versus functionally do we feel functionally like every time we go to make a cut, our ankle gives out? Or do we feel that sensation of the ankle giving out when we make certain cuts or certain moves? That's functional instability. So once we've rolled our ankle 20 times, we might not be as worried about mechanical stability as we are about developing this functional stability. And I think that's where Jen and I would both go if we were working with somebody who had had recurrent ankle sprains throughout life yeah. We'd be like, how do we develop the best functional stability we can here? Exactly. I mean, and I brought that up last time too, thinking about someone who is a hypermobile person in general. The one piece of advice we're going to continue to give is get strong, stabilize, work. You know, like that mm-hmm. is that is the only thing that we can do for lax ligaments. So that's what we're going to continue to do for the ankle as well. And beyond just getting strong, because that's part of, our conservative treatment, right? So now what do we do for 
these chronic ankle sprains? Well, we do want to do conservative treatment. We want to reduce any pain swelling, just like we would with any acute injury. We want to make sure that we have range of motion, right? And then we want to start to restore some of the strength and the function. And we want to progressively start to overload that. We want to make sure we have balance and sports specific exercises, dual tasks, all this stuff. But beyond just strengthening and something that, you know, we really, we think is important to understand when it comes to, especially to something that is reoccurrent and chronic, is that we want to start to repattern the way that mm-hmm. our brain and our muscles are working together on different surfaces, in different areas, in different uh, functional activities. So like, how are we connecting this brain muscle connection so we don't have to think about it every time yeah humans and movement are messy (laughs) like (laughs) yes we never we like to think that we can train ourselves in a gym or train ourselves in this controlled environment for our sport for our activity and then go out into the actual real world in that sport or that activity and just do it exactly as it was in the gym but in reality when we're hiking when we're out and about when we're on the football field or the basketball court, it's a very unpredictable environment. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we might suddenly do a skill we've practiced a thousand times and the ground might be slightly different when we land or we might land on somebody's foot. So how can we start to, like you're saying, train the body to be ready to support in those types of new, you know, different situations, more challenging situations. I talked with my cousin who's a dancer who had been dealing with like some recurrent ankle strains she showed me the video that she strained her ankle while she was recording something at her house she's like it's the most embarrassing thing when you're in your house by yourself and you need to crawl to the camera to (laughs) turn it off turn it off (laughs) and you know that the camera got the whole thing (laughs) but she kind of showed me what she was doing and how she was doing it and she's a dancer so she does these moves hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times right and our body's used to doing it a certain way And now she rolls her ankle. And so every time she comes upon certain moves, her body has that slight bit of uncertainty. So I kind of told her, like, her ankle was at the point where the swelling was down, her strength was coming back, she could do things in a controlled, thoughtful environment. But then when she went back to her routine, she would come up on these moves and she would, like, almost get that anxiety that she was going to roll her ankle. Psychological. Right? So my thing was use some priming movements where, okay, what moves are they? Right when you're about to start your routine, do those moves really slowly. Focus on every aspect of the move, how you're controlling your foot and your ankle through it. Maybe speed it up a couple of times. And then when you go through the full routine, maybe your body will have a little bit of that messaging or that priming in there where you'll feel more comfortable doing it. Yeah. And it might take you a year of that type of practice to I mean, feel really, really comfortable. There's a lot. And that's where it comes to dual tasking as well. Like, How can we distract our brain? As well, like when we're doing something else, but making the ankle work, right? Totally. And that's that's so important when it comes back to that. The brain works cross-sectionally to our body, mm-hmm. right? It works in kind of this X pattern. And so there's actually practices as well where we could take this little like piece of paper and put a black X on it and hold it in front of something. So you, whether you're holding it or you have it in front of you and you're doing these higher level ankle activities or for your cousin, it would be, or my cousin-in-law, claiming her Uh, you know that's where we can go into okay how can we work on the skills that your mind continues to want to guard you in but now we're looking at this x 
And that actually is repatterning the brain as well. And so now we're developing, which we've talked about before, different neuro tags within the brain Mm -hmm. to respond to the tissue differently and develop this more subconscious way of being able to move. So you're thinking about buried treasure because it X marks the spots (laughs) instead of rolling your ankle. And that is science, That's what Dom is is thinking (laughs) about. That's science, folks. Uh, No, I think that's the thing that we're starting to realize. Really, these very basic things can pull our brain out of its normal pattern. Mm -hmm. And we're such habitual beings that we'll be doing something and our body will habitually go in a certain direction because we're used to it, even if it means rolling our ankle again. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. how do we do these things to start disrupting that pattern? That's one of the first difficult things. And then training a different pattern on top of it. Yeah. So really building the strength back, building the range of motion is only half the battle with these, especially with these chronic unstable, unstable ankles. Really coordination is where we need to go with the training. Yeah. Retraining your brain. Another fun one that I like real quick is if you put like a triangle in front of your face and mm-hmm. then you bring it to an eye. So... Who knows what eye it goes to, but whatever eye it goes to, that's your dominant eye, right? Mm-hmm. And so then you close your dominant eye. I actually cannot close my eye. <laughs> <laughs> Working on that, okay. And this is if you're focusing on one thing, right? If I'm focusing on like a dot in the room and then I bring the triangle up and keep, yeah, the, yeah, keep yeah. the dot in the triangle and then bring it to your eye, yes, right? Yes. If you're trying to follow along at home. <laughs> Find your dominant eye, close your dominant eye, or like if you're like me, cover it. <laughs> Whatever, don't make fun of me. And then do whatever task you're trying to do in rebuilding mm-hmm. strength and rebuilding coordination, whether it's standing on a leg, hopping on a leg, uh, doing a, a skill or whatever it may be. Yeah. And and you're doing it now, but making your brain have to work harder because you're using your non-dominant eye to have to work and visualize things. And so we're just, again, we're retraining the brain in these different patterns as we're retraining movement. And again, getting with a physical therapist, getting with a movement expert to get some better ideas of how you can really take it to the next level and how you can turn this ankle story around in your head. I think a lot of it is, hey, I've been rolling my ankle my whole life. It's just going to keep happening. Like that can't continue to be the story. Change the story. Yeah, we really need to start to give people the tools to take control back, feel empowered to feel stable on their feet. Yeah. Thank you again for joining us on yet another PT Pearl. We just appreciate you so much. And of course, if you need more visuals for each PT Pearl, they are over at DocGenFit on YouTube. There is a whole section for the PT Pearls from the Optimal Body Podcast that you can use to really see what we're talking about. And don't forget, if you really like this, if you're learning from it, share it out, share it with your community. Tell us what you're learning. Rate and subscribe to the episode because there's going to be so many more goodies and PT Pearls along the way. And if you're ready to dive in even deeper, don't forget we have an Optimal Body membership with an incredible community of movers learning with us and moving in their body. Until next time, thank you again.